This is a very rare intro to an episode. We've never done this before in the history of the, in the podcast. We have a huge announcement. Jonesy's ready to make a joke about the show ending, but that's not true. He's chomping at the bit over there. I'm looking at him. You have a copy of my script, and that's not fair. We agreed that I could go <laughs> off the cuff and say what I wanted. This is the, 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 the weeks of work Dale has put into merchandising VP of Merch. It's official. We have pressed the button on a Patreon. This is this is it. The culmination of Dale's work, VP of Merch. Yeah, I mean, you're just, you're just in there crunching so long, and to finally see something come together, you know, you're ready to push launch. We're, we're, unfortunately... Our launch party was spent watching Magic Mike XXL, but, you know, otherwise it was a great launch party, and finally to see this come to fruition and to put it out to the masses. I, for one, great. welcome our Patreon overlords. Oh, boy. So, let's, let's pretend I don't know what Patreon is or what that means. Yes, and let's pretend <laughs> that, Jonesy. And just explain this to me in the simplest terms possible, risk versus reward. Hey, your private mm-hmm. loss statement. I mean, are we getting into Bitcoin? Are we Bitcoining? Yeah, are we Bitcoiners? My Bitcoin documentation is on route to your lawyer. Hold on. Bit minters. That should be something that oh I can gosh. copyright. Let's just end the show, please. I'm closing down the Patreon. <laughs> Patreon is a way for quote unquote creators to, you know, gain support from their audience. You know, there's uh, other podcasts out there that do Patreon. I think one of your favorite shows, Major Spoilers, probably does it. Yeah. You know, when, and when they obtain, there's like it's like Kickstarter, but like on an ongoing basis. Okay. So we could set up rewards where you know I'll give Paper Cake two dollars a month, and if enough people do that and we hit like X goal, then we like unlock something cool. Okay. Like a joint, like uh, one of which, which if you go to the the Patreon page right now, Patreon.com/slash Paper Cake probably, or we'll have a link in the show notes. The first one, we'll just tease it out here. We want you to go to the page, and maybe sure. you'll enjoy it. Maybe you won't. The first one is one of Dale's, you know, one of his dreams. The roundtable coming back once a month, an extra episode a month. Mm. We'll do a roundtable episode of the books we read that month. Mm. Dale. Huge. I can't believe Huge. Dale agreed to that. I'm, pu- I'm pushing for it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the... Uh the back room, making calls, pushing it. You're yeah, yeah. on the Patreon web, tra- uh, web page trying to get reverse bidding so that we don't have to do that episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was Dale's, that's Dale's dream to bring the round table back. He's always texting me in fever dreams. He's like, round table, round table. Yeah. I feel like the people need the round table. They want it back. I feel, I would say, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> like he's an R&B star. Right. So that's one of the milestones. There are several other ones one of which is so unobtainable, it's amazing, and it was it was at an amenities idea. So mm-hmm. by all means, go to Paper Keg's Patreon on that page. And and the main thing is, people do ask us how, like they want a way to support the show, and we could never really come up with anything tangible or worthwhile. So we did come up with something in exchange. If you back, if you back at any level, we'll send you the show two days early, two days before anyone else can listen to it. So that's the main one. And then at another tier, you unlock the real Dill, which is a special backer-only newsletter from the one and only Jonesy Loves Beer. Ooh, uh, now, dear listeners slash potential contributors, 
you have to understand this means I will officially be published for the first time <laughs> in my career. So you decide whether you want to change that moniker or not. It's in your hands. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, so what we want, want to really stress is, you know, you, this is absolutely optional. If you feel like you want to support the show, you can. The show is not going anywhere. You don't have to support us. We could have zero supporters on that Patreon page. Look like schmucks. But <laughs> it will be... It's fine with us because the show will not end. It's, you know, this is just... It's probably, like like Slim said, it's the most tangible way that somebody could support the show and be the most meaningful, get the most mileage out of your support. You know, you don't have to. It's fine. But if you do, we are humbled by your support. And we love you guys. And check can, us out. Can I start uh, my my weekly newsletter right now by getting on my soapbox? This is a preview, folks. Uh, you know Getting what? I, this way for free. We just you added know, another know, fifteen minutes this to the Watchmen one, episode. <laughs> <laughs> People love long podcasts, as the the numbers Alleged. will tell you. Uh, so I I dislike podcasts that come out that troll for money, that interrupt my podcast every five minutes for a commercial. I'm just happy that this group can continue to give you quality entertainment without all that jibba-jabba. And uh, I thank you guys for that. And by you, I mean Slim and Dale specifically, no oh, one else. Okay. Uh, and maybe I, I the ubiquitous that. you, I don't know. Right, We're, there's there's no level that like gets us a new mixer. We already have everything we need to do the show. The show will continue, but this is an optional. People ask us, how do we support, etc. So this is now that gateway. Really, and maybe this is all leverage to get Dale off his duff to be doing extra merch. Am I right? Oh my gosh! Mm -hmm. Heaven, good heavens! The gauntlet, the merch gauntlet, has been thrown by paper uh, keg scullies. Anybody? Paper keg, right? Yeah, live recording, not in a business meeting. (laughs) Live, live biz dev. Oh boy! So paper keg Patreon, you can go to patreon dot com. Type in paper keg. We'll have a link to it, obviously, in the show notes. We'll tweet about it. Good heavens, we'll tweet about it. And uh, I do want to say, enjoy the Watchmen episode because there's one moment at the end which I loved listening back to. It was when Dale said something so scandalous, I had to find an audio file of a beep that was almost ten seconds long. <laughs> so keep your eye out for that. The Patreon is just an additional thing. The show is not ending, nor does it need financial help. So, there it is. Thank you, guys. Thanks, bros, babes. What's my catchphrase? Enjoy the show. Jonesy, you're done. My spidey sense is tingling. Big show for possibly the last time, ladies and gentlemen. Slimbo Slice. Oh my god, it's not true. Everyone, just cool out. Welcome to the big show. Paperkeg.com. Three friends talk about comic books that they're reading, and they'll all gather together to talk about one book in particular. You know, it's been the summer of Alan Moore. And we're going to end this summer in style. 
Gibbs Moore DC Watchmen And then we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Double up for them gangsters. Now, uh, we have three people on the panel tonight, the original hosts. Uh, We have a fourth host, unfortunately passed away uh, very recently. God rest his soul. We have, you know, to allay any fears about credibility on this show. You have three dudes talking about comics, but who are you? Why should I bother? We have a writer on the show. An actual full-fledged writer. He's unpublished, regardless. Irregardless, even. He's wearing a sleeveless tee right now, and if I may be so bold as to say that the, the whiteness of those arms... Uh, is messing with your webcam in such a way that I've never witnessed before. Much like a large metropolitan area that pollutes the light so you can't quite see the stars on the horizon, my Mm -hmm. skinny Irish arms uh, be polluting your screens, y'all. I am show writer. That was an official line from a writer. Uh Uh, Just today I composed a Microsoft uh, Outlook uh, I'm away from my computer uh, well, outgoing message. Well, look at you. And uh, then realized I forgot to set it when I left. So what was the point? Gosh. Just writing. I write like no one's reading. Mm-hmm. That's what you're, that's Once how you're again, supposed to do. Once again, unpublished. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final living host. He's been called the Silver Fox, Facebook phenom. You know, he posts... Any photo of a family member, like a hundred likes instantly. Mm, I've never seen anything like it in my life. He's a VP of merch of Paper Keg. He's got, you know, he's cooking up something big right now. You know, every other day people are asking us, how, how can we support the show? You know, how can we do it? And Dale's been in his laboratory cooking something up. Yeah. Yeah, and they're always like, you know, hey paper keg you know what can we do what can you know what can i do i'm joe i'm joe q public here what can i do yeah you know and that just causes my brain to spin my silver haired uh i was looking back on my honeymoon photos from 08 my brown my brown hair of the time i mean it's just like a, a different set of hair right <laughs> at this point but you know brown or, or silver i'm always toiling you know, always working away at the algorithms, the numbers, mm-hmm. what we can do and you, for our for our listening public. And you told me today, oh, privately over GChat, you think you cracked it. You think you cracked the code. Yeah, it was you know, it was just directly with you and me on GChat, and it was talking about the future of the show. And uh, you know, we uh, were hammering out some details, I think, and yeah. uh, I think um, you know. We're pretty happy. Sure. First off. We're always happy. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, we're happy. 
for the record, I, I was not in this conversation, so I have no idea about the <laughs> future of the show. Very enthused, Dale underscore A, compared with a confused, Jonesy loves beer. I prefer befuddled. I mean, that's <laughs> my, t- my typical response. Uh, maybe some... But those, go ahead. But but that sleeveless tee he's got on, I mean, it's it's something else. It's next level. And that just may be the the start of the future of the show. <laughs> yeah. You know? You know, it, it's like Doctor Manhattan over there with his with his, but white whitish Doctor Manhattan just <laughs> with his aura. Doctor Bronx. Uh, stay tuned for news. You know, in the near future, it rhymes with Matreon. There you go. We have a, right. we have a lot to get to next week. Oh boy, we got something. We got something even more special cooked up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We we have to. We should clear up the scheduling. The next couple weeks for the people, Slim and Jonesy, <laughs> as it were. So, well, since you're here, Jonesy, since you're live on the air okay. with us, and this is live. Just please lay it on me since I'm hearing for the first time with the audience. Am I? So, you know, so we're, first up, Watchmen episode, a little late. We apologize. Sometimes life just throws you those curveballs that you, you know, you just have to uh, get to make lemonade out of those curveballs. Yeah, you you have to manage your schedules as best can be, and uh, we're sorry it's late, but to pile on top of that, the dog pile on that rabbit, there's going to be some scheduling, um, you know, easements. We're trying to ease our way around the next couple of weeks, school starting, uh, vacations. Yeah. Vacations. Oh my God. OBX. So, Yeah. So the next episode will be a. Uh, we're just going to. Should we tell them what it is? I mean, yeah, good. Yeah, we, we can, can tell go right ahead and tell them. Yeah, this. So this week is the Watchmen Book Club. Next week, we are doing just a, an episode on the Watchmen movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be five minutes long. It might be half hour long. <laughs> it's but going to be five minutes. It'll be at least <laughs> thirty minutes. The director's cut is like four hours long. Oh, I think gosh. that's the one we're going to watch. So. It's inaccurate when we had said that the summer of Alan Moore was ending because technically, you know, next week is going to be a movie, comic movie episode. So we're bringing it's that great. back. In the business, in they call that a stinger. A stinger? We're doing a summer of, of Alan Moore stinger with a yeah. movie episode. Okay. Stinger. And then uh, OBX. That episode, I think, will be out the week we're lounging at the beach, Dale and I, hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, ordering pizza from the beach, Grubhub delivering it to us, you know, as most people do on the beach. Yeah, on some Mahoney-esque three-wheeler with some sort of pizza basket, <laughs> you know, on the beach. So we have some tentative plans for what to do while we're in OBX because, you know, another frequent host of the show will be there with us at Naminity. She'll be journeying with us to the beach and, you know, Dale and myself in our private G-chat thought to ourselves, you know, who needs Jonesy? Amanda is here. Local recording of a beach keg. Mm-hmm. What, what more, more could we ask for? 
Just so you know, that's actually the title of their GChat window. Who needs Jonesy? That's actually the meta. <laughs> that's the metadata that it grabs in the description. Right. Yeah, the meta, and which is all ones and zeros according yeah. to Google, but to the to the naked eye, to the human eye. <laughs> Lest we forget that Jonesy in the Google Chat right now, the video is doing his full on Randy Poffo macho macho man savage hand movements when he makes <laughs> his pointed yeah. comments. <laughs> if you could envision it, please do. I can't stop. I tried just grabbing the mic right. stand the entire last episode, and it just didn't work. So that'll that'll be the uh, the tentative outlook for the next few weeks. The movie movie episodes are coming back, brother. Comic movies, you know, it just opens up the horizon for the future. Yeah, which is um, you know just to be just to be sure, the comic book movie episode will be replacing a book club episode at least just this one time, right. maybe. Maybe forever. We'll see. We'll see what the future you know, holds. Maybe, maybe we we'll replace do... Jonesy forever. Maybe we never leave the beach. Why bother? You know, maybe we start our own business down there, like a masseuse business oh of some gosh, kind. You know. We give on-beach massages. Or a pizza place that delivers pizza on the beach with three-wheelers. Oh, God. Can you imagine? That's a you, save... dress, you dress up like Mahoney. That's a Save by the Bell season right there. Delivering pizzas on three wheels. I was going to say, you guys should work at a country club on the beach while you're down there. Dale falls in love. Sure, Malibu with the, Sands. Uh, we could join the uh, volleyball $100. team. Oh my gosh. I could try to con Mr. Carosi to lower the price <laughs> of his cherry Mustang convertible. Fifteen hundred Leon with a full tank of gas. I, I just got this amazing, amazing vision of us reenacting Saved by the Bell that season, and you're Zach. You just wear Zach's clothes, and you're dating, <laughs> oh, you know, the daughter gosh. of Mr. Carosi, yeah. and you're getting into high drinks. Oh, Who man, plays Carosi? You? <laughs> yeah, I would also play Carosi. Now nah, you would be Slater. Let, let's face it. You'd I'd always be, be wearing his ballet tights under my clothes, no matter what right. <laughs> what the area is. You always have to be prepared, you know? Yeah, you never know when you'd bust out a few moves. But speaking of moves, we have to get into the book club. <laughs> uh, you know, Watchmen. Alan Moore. Gibbs. We're going to get into it in just a moment. Soon. I do want to point out that, you know, Dale and Jonesy... You know, they're not satisfied with just one podcast, Paper Keg. They're not satisfied <laughs> with Book Jug, you know, the hit audio book podcast. They're not satisfied. They they branch out and they appear on other shows. You know, the Turtle Jump, which is a hit video game podcast, you two guest starred on that show. What was the topic of that episode? Uh, it was the in-depth look at Batman Arkham Knight released this year from Rocksteady Games. We had a terrific time. At least I did. Dale, I think you had a great time. Yeah, I think I had a great time too. It was cool to talk about it in a, from a comic book fan's perspective. Hmm. And we got into the gameplay, but the story was a lot of discussion. Yeah, I haven't listened to it because I'm not finished the game yet. And I was afraid of getting any kind yeah. of spoiler territory. Well, we spent yeah. a lot of time figuring out just what the H was going on with the Nightfall Protocol. So unless you've seen it, don't watch the episode. Uh, no, that's my understanding from loose interpretation of the game that the Nightfall Protocol is when Batman is incapable of being Batman and he brings someone in his stead. Not that is my understanding. far off. I mean, it's especially because that's essentially what happened in the comic books, Nightfall. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not mm. sure if anyone read Nightfall, the comic book. 
Spoilers. Spoilers for Nightfall. Uh, when Azrael takes over for Batman, he goes nutty. And then Bruce, you know, drinks some herb juice in another country and his bat, his broken back is magically healed. Mio. He didn't even do that in Dark Knight Rises. And he got all the cartilage in his knee back. So Yeah, or the cart- cartilage in his knee, repaired spine, and then he swam to Gotham. Yeah. And that's how he got back to Gotham. Movies well, junk. You know, get that, cardio get that garbage out of here. <laughs> We need to get into the song, please. If we'll have, maybe we'll have a link to the Turtle Jump appearance by you two. Uh, but Watchmen, this is it. This is the big one. You know, it's been on our list since the get go. I think. Now, I think. You know, firstly, it's been two hundred and seventeen episodes since we've done it because, you know, everybody could be expecting it from any comic book podcast, right? Mm-hmm. It's because it's the the comic book, right? So we were hesitant to do it. I mean, this episode might be five minutes long. It might be 30 minutes long. Who knows? <laughs> I am, I am, I have never been more thankful that I have a, a team of co-hosts with me to guide me through this because I'm probably, this is probably the most nerve wracking episode of paper keg. You know, ever. I've actually been thinking about that, how we were going to talk about Watchmen because it's been tackled so many times and, Bear with me. You know, I, I don't think at this point it's necessary to do a synopsis. And uh, side note, I wonder how many first episodes of comic podcasts are Watchmen. See if we can get I, the intern on that, crunch some numbers. Yeah. It's got to be like a, Excel easily like a million, like maybe 1.2 million all first episodes. Mm, yeah. So I thought maybe right. instead of rehashing the plot of Watchmen... I could just suggest some talking points and we'd all comment on it. Well, I don't know. If I may play uh, Jonesy's advocate here, (laughs) that uh, maybe not everyone listening has read Watchmen. You know, you're right. You know, it's relying on us to to have read it. Yeah. Well, in that case, like your wife, Amanda, probably. It's possible. She probably needs this. It's possible. Allow me to take you back then to a decade I call the 1980s. You know, uh, some things are happening in the sleeveless tees were a big thing. <laughs> you know, jean shorts, jorts. You know, that's yeah. how we lived. Back jorts, then. he loves beer. Umbra, <laughs> umbros were the uh, shorts of choice. Uh, you know, hammer pants and uh, comic books. Comic books were getting dark. You know, Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One. Frank Miller was heavily influencing the comic scene and uh young writer alan moore was no exception in that darkness and he gave us the perhaps cornerstone of modern superhero telling when he writes the ultimate graphic novel the watchman and the plot is essentially a silver age superhero team uh, you know, that were active in the 50s, 60s, and 70s uh, are outlawed by something called the Keen Act. And, you know, some remain, uh, some retire, you know, work, some are working for the government, you know, sanctioned. Um, and now, fast forward to the 80s, somebody is picking them off one by one. And a plot that takes you to the heights of superhumanity 
to the depths of Rorschach's soul and explains to you ultimately what is saving the world and is it a good thing as told by the origins of a superhero team called the Watchmen. And who is watching them is the mystery of the book. Does it get solved? We'll talk about it. (laughs) Firstly, I think, you know, for those who maybe have never read it, there is no superhero team called the Watchmen. Weren't they called the Watchmen? They were. They were called... No, they were the called Minutemen the Minutemen uh, was the old team. And I and I, I unless I've been wrong all these long years. They were called like the Super Friend uh, Neighborhood Watch. Well, I thought that there was an a, a attempted incarnation called the Crime Busters, which That's what was the first yeah. And then it was my understanding that there was a successful incarnation of the Watchmen, but maybe it wasn't in name form. No, I think it it comes from one of I think the last issue was the quote about, um, I don't have the quote with me, but who who else but the watchman on the walls of justice implying, like, government and everything else. I, I do not think, I think Crime, Crime Busters was the only attempt at a superhero group, and after that, mm. there was no group. I remember... Um Wow. I thought it was earlier in the book, but um, comedian and the night owl, owl, owl man, uh, came across the the defacing of a wall, and it said, "Who watches the Watchmen?" Do you remember that scene? Yeah, I do. I, and you know what? I always thought in my heart of hearts that there was a team called the Watchmen that consisted of Silk Spider, Night Owl. The comedian <laughs> is that her name? Silk Spectre. Do you think that Silky Spider? Do you Your think of the one million podcast episodes that started with Watchmen? They spent ten minutes determining if the, they were actually called the Watchmen. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the interpretation starts. You know, this is why it's the most nerve-wracking episode ever. Well, it's five hundred pages. Let's maybe take a few steps back. It's like four hundred fifty pages. Dale, you uh, several times in our private G chat talked about how much of a slog it was to get through what's what's your Which frame of mind Jonesy just says a callback frame of mind while reading during and, and after can you can you set the the stage for us the stage was after our summer of Alan Moore together spent I mean there was nothing that was going to put me in a better state of mind to prepare myself to read this finally for the first time. I've never read it before. Wow. I've read up till maybe the third or fourth issue previous, but I've never gotten through it. So I said, all this Alan Moore that we're reading is really prepping me because I think I'm finally going to be able to embrace it in all of its entirety. And while not all of that is true in the end, I... I consumed it, and it still nothing had prepared me for the amount of time it took me to read it. I mean, that was the stage set. It was a long set. It was probably like when Dave Chappelle gets on stage and five he, he goes set. for yeah five hours, thirteen hours, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, not even 
the Swamp Things, not even, you know, I think there was probably more reading involved in this than there was in both Fear Agent Omnibuys that we read. Wow. Yeah. They were thick. Um, they were thick issues. They were thick issues. We're talking like 26, 28 pages of the comic proper and then a lot of back material that basically kind of felt like uh, very supplemental to the story. I only took a chance and read maybe four issues of the back matter because there was a lot of back matter and there was a lot of uh, story, a lot of words in the back matter. Mm-hmm. And... Excuse me. You know, as soon as I start to try to read the, an issue in bed, my eyes are closed. I'm like, my heart's... My eyes are slamming shut and I'm waking myself up startled. Right. Very tough. Now, on, it's, on, a, it's a read. On top of that, I'm wondering, because I had read it uh, previously, I have like three different versions of the print book. I have a hardcover and two soft paperbacks and digital. And I'm, I was wondering for you if the book was almost sullied in some way, maybe good or bad, good sully. I don't even know if that's a thing, but like at, at, a, at this point in your life and the, the watchman's status, can you mm-hmm. like prepare yourself for a book like this? And then does that impact your, your expectation and opinion of it when you do finally finish it? You know, I'm, I'm almost afraid to, that it does. I'm almost afraid to say that it does. Um, I feel like with this, there are going to be a lot of ears listening because everybody has their opinion on the Watchmen and a lot of people, I guess, would probably, I'm going to try to come off and, as not somebody who's a complete naysayer, but, you know, and goes against the grain, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of um, ears listening and then like throwing their milkshakes at the dashboard right. when, I mean, when they hear the to, words come out of my mouth not to get you even more scared but the numbers have been going up and up leading up to this episode so now See, I know they're ready um yeah i think i feel you know this being the first time i read it there is a lot of baggage coming in because everything you hear it's just like everything you hear from the words of the mouths of people who've read it and written about it they get it they get it all and they get they, they're able to digest it and I don't know if that's just because they do get it or they just you know highlight the parts of the book that are that mean something to them mm. and I, I don't know if my expectations were met but I also feel like I don't know it was a lot to read even taking the, the amount of time that we needed like I w- I've been done reading, which is probably a mistake too, but I'm not. I'm just afraid that I'm. I wasn't awestruck like like I was with Swamp Thing. Yeah, and the for those that maybe have have not read or have no plans to read, but it's I'm refused to say that it's going to be a spoiler at this point. But the it's twelve issues and Rorsatch, as I call him. <laughs> Uh, he is the guy with the stuff on his face, obviously. And he's trying to uncover who is taking out or attempting to take out the members of this team 
uh, or superheroes. It's kind of like if Civil War stuck and like 20 years later, you know, and they're all just kind of underground retired vigilantes. So he gets to the bottom of it and it leads them to the kind of Iron Man of the group, the smart guy who's now just kind of just rich and he's a futurist. And it leads them to him, and he's been behind this whole ruse. And during this time, you know, Russia and the United States are about to go to war, and there's just unrest everywhere about World War Three about to start. So he has prepared this master plan, which I picked up a lot of stuff that I had never read or noticed before on this read. Same. Um, of his plan to ha- stage an alien invasion in Manhattan and it would wipe out half the city in a second. And this event would unite the planet earth and end Mm -hmm. the impending world war three. And that was his genius plan to end all this. And it worked. And the, the, the the impending world war three ended the entire planet was united against this possible alien threat and the book ends with these heroes coming to grips with the fact that they failed to stop this character from proceeding with this plan but the plan worked and it ended the war and what do they do they have to decide to keep their mouth shut and just go on with life yeah it's it's just i mean that's not the way you know your typical superhero stories are go, but it's such on a grand scale. Like you have to sympathize. And Jonesy, I saw you agree, but some of the stuff that I picked up on this read, which is probably like my fifth or sixth read, that I never noticed was specifically how Ozymandias, with well, the Iron Man character in this book, the the futurist brainiac millionaire he had paid artists writers creators to go to this island to and scientists on to go to this island and create this monster this alien and they were almost kind of under the impression that they're like filming a movie or preparing for a movie of some kind and I, there's little bits and pieces of these characters talking and interacting with each other like these painters and I never noticed those scenes before, like how these people were stuck on an island to create this alien, and then eventually they're just killed because they know about it, so they can't live. Yeah, I that was one of the things I picked up on, uh, which, when you think about it, makes Ozymandias so much more horrible, you know, than the first time around. Uh, this is probably my fourth reading, and... The, like another thing I picked up on that it's right in your face. I I can't believe I missed it. Is Doctor Manhattan is the reason World War Three is happening anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, they create the superhuman in the labs in the nineteen sixties, and he's an American. And there's a, there's I remember the scene where it's like you know the Superman is real and he's American, and it kind of galvanizes the planet into like this gridlock of, uh, you know, much like it was in the 80s of the Cold War. And Dr. Manhattan is kind of like keeping everybody in check 
like no one will fire their nukes because they know Dr. Manhattan can is you know basically omnipotent, and he's an American, so you know he's an mm-hmm. American national. So kind of the United States have kind of has the world in kind of this grip of fear. So you know I didn't realize that the main linchpin of uh, Adrian's plan is to remove Doc Manhattan and then go about uniting to, the planet. To, to start the like to start the treads of war moving in a direction where you know the atomic clock or whatever the nuclear clock is one minute to midnight mm-hmm. like he needs that he needs him out of there so he just takes him I mean, dr manhattan is such a fascinating character because he starts as a human who sympathizes he has love and stuff but by the by the time we meet him in 1985 he's just above he is a god he is above humanity. He is above anything that has feelings. Yeah, and one of the bigger plot points of the book is, uh, you know, he takes his ex-girlfriend to Mars, and essentially, you know, she's also part of the, uh, the maybe with the Watchmen or not Watchmen, whatever we're calling them, a crime buster. On the Silk Spider. Silk Spider. Uh, it, uh, that's probably not her name, and that's probably why you're laughing, but... The, you know, he zaps her to Mars and uh, is basically like, okay, state your case for the human race and why I should step in and save their lives. And there's another thing that I missed, and I, and I missed it on every reread except for this one, but in issue eight when they're on Mars and he's explaining to her what, you know, time happens all at once and only your, the human mind can only perceive it linear, linearly. And he, there's a throw, throwaway line where he's like, the next time I'll be on Earth, I know I'll be in the snow and I'll be killing someone. Yeah. And it's a throwaway line. He's like, for some reason, I can't see that part very clearly. And then in the climax of the book, it's because uh, Ozymandias has like something with tachyons, has tachyoned him. And that's why, you know, he, he can't see it very well in the past or the future and why he has to, uh, you know, why he's not clear on the events. And, you know, you think then that maybe he's like, he's killing a bad guy when he's with the throwaway line, but he's actually, you know, spoilers for a book that's, you know, 30 years old, but he kills Rorschach to keep him quiet because Rorschach is really, of all of them, he's the most moral. You know, he doesn't let anyone get away with anything. And he's like, well, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to go tell the world about this because it's wrong and you've killed millions and Dr. Manhattan's yeah, he's like, like uh, he's like Judge Dredd or something he's right. total black and white and uh, uh, Dr. Manhattan's basically just like nope I snapped and you're now a pile of dust not gonna let it happen so but he saw that that he was gonna do that four issues prior we just mm-hmm. didn't know what he was talking about which is and I can't believe I didn't pick it up before see I was in a frame of mind when I started reading this. I was like, okay, I've read it so many times. I just kind of got to breeze through it. But then once I like got it after the first issue, I really got into the story again. And I started watching for things that maybe I didn't remember from the last reread. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I, I maintained like a high level of focus while reading it. Yeah, the I, I really started to get engaged maybe around issue five. And... I liked, man, I, I just, I mean, I loved Rorschach's storyline. He's just so black and white that you you want to sympath, sympathize with him and be on his side, but he's just so, like, 
had it that you're you're almost not as bad as a you don't have a bat as bad as an outlook on things that he does and the the stuff I mean it's just Alan like Alan Moore he's good at what he does man he, and like when he, when um Dr. Manhattan first makes it to Mars and that whole, it's like a whole a whole issue of of him like putting you inside the mind of Dr. Manhattan when he's speaking in terms of how Dr. Manhattan sees time. That might have been my favorite and issue. I, yeah. that's, that was incredible. Like the way he's pacing, like he's sitting there, he's like right an hour from now I'm I'm floating on a glass structure looking at the sun 90 seconds ago you know this this piece of paper in my hand dropped to the floor like it was it was incredible and in 1966 she's crying in the hallway or something like that yeah, it, uh, it was what a great yeah uh, you're right Dale. like what 2 hours ago I was I was pulling the picture off the bulletin board an hour from now you know something whatever yeah his issue was amazing and the issue on Mars where he's like describing the chasm yes. on Mars, it's like just, mm-hmm. ugh. The way he described this kind of foggy Grand Canyon on Mars that I think he described it as like the length of, it might have even, I think it was like 3,000 miles. Like, can you imagine the emptiness of such a chasm, chasm? And his issues were really insane. Like, I don't, just the the depth of this storyline, you know, I'd love to, like, he, I'm sure Alan Moore has done many interviews or many discussions about The Watchmen, or maybe he hasn't because of the dark uh, contractual issues, but just how you come up with a story like this and work in the intricacies of all the characters, and, and on top mm-hmm. of that, Dave Gibbons, his nine-panel grid format, and how there are so many nods to uh the structure of his of his style across you know the beginning of the series and at the end where uh Rorschach shows up back at his apartment or at that other apartment and he's doing like the same position as he was in the first issue and how these panels are almost mirror images of themselves just that kind of stuff just like blows my mind the amount of planning and the foresight to work those things into a monthly comic book, just, you know, my brain struggles to comprehend it. Yeah. And as much, and as much that as was in each issue, really, you really have to pay attention to just everything because the way Alan Moore writes, everything is a piece of art. Every word, like the way he describes the planet Mars, like you were saying, the way he describes time, the way he describes you know the comedian's anti-heroism in the in the war. It was, I mean, it, and not to say I put there were. I loved the Watchmen, but like as far as like the expectations were, a lot of the stuff where I I foresaw I might have troubles with like the stuff with the parallelism with the the Black Freighter and the news guy in general and stuff. I feel like there's probably a lot more to that story than I was able to grip, Mm. but maybe I'm just reading too much into it because of the expectations built up, you know? Well, yeah, there was the, the black freighter stuff was, was wacky. And, you know, there, I think there's several interpretations you can pull from that. 
from I think every, anyone could have a different interpretation and still be correct, you know, about how this guy was mm-hmm. trying to uh, survive and the and the lengths that you would go to survive, and then you just go so far along and you're almost confronting madness at that point, which worked perfectly with Adrian's storyline. I felt like, and um, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sure it was good. I'm going to totally derail you and then uh, talk about Rorschach's origin issue, which might be my second favorite. And uh, Rorschach is in prison. You know, he gets set up and caught. And he basically, uh, you know, all the prisoners are like, oh, we're going to get you for putting us in here. And then essentially he terrorizes all of them, which is probably where that um, Frank Castle in prison storylines come from the the Rorschach originator. Well, yeah, he has that uh, famous line. Uh, you guys all think I'm in here with you, but really you're all stuck in here with me, which mm-hmm. is terrible paraphrasing. But <laughs> So the the real story, though, is this um, prison psychiatrist who's a very like well-acclaimed, mm. and you know, he's, he's going to build his career on figuring Rorschach out. <laughs> and his wife is like, you could tell that they live kind of a, you know, high on the teat lifestyle where they have dinner parties and they're not, you know, they're not very deep. They don't scratch very much more below the surface. And this doctor keeps getting drawn into Rorschach's world until finally he's like, all right, you want to hear something worth hearing? This is the life I lead. Yeah. I track down this, you know, kidnapped girl. Uh, to a house and in the house I break in and there's a guard dog and he's playing with a bone and I subdue the dog and I go in and I find a furnace where there's like girls clothes and I come to the realization that the person never was going to take ransom and killed the girl for pleasure, burned her body and threw the bones to the dog. This happens all the time and this is the life I lead. So I waited till the guy came back and I killed him because that was the right thing to do. And like that changes, fundamentally changes the psychiatrist to, to find out that this is really what the world is like. And then it ends up ruining his life, his marriage, his circle of friends, because now he's, he can no longer be that shallow person. He knows too much. He's, he's seen life. His innocence in a way is over. And it just kind of mirrors the way that Rorschach never had any kind of innocence as a child. You know, he was thrust into adulthood at a very early age and be- immediately became like the toughest mother on the planet just to get through it emotionally. <laughs> and it, like that, it, that issue to me is the world of the Watchmen. Like that's like, it's super real, even though it's told yeah. through the eyes of superheroes, you know, the superheroes with the exception of Doc, Doc Manhattan have no superpowers they're kind of like the golden age. I just put on this costume and became garden gnome man. Like that's just what I chose to do. And uh, but it's super realistic. It's su- it's hyper realism in the Watchmen. And I think that Rorschach issue kind of illustrates that point the best for this whole universe. I thought it was interesting too that the culmination of a lot of those mini subplots ended in the middle of Manhattan where the alien, like the constructed alien dropped and they had Adrian explains how they created this alien looking creature by 
you know, cloning the brain of a sensitive, as they call it, like a telepath, into this alien body. And, you know, in their testing after teleportation, like teleportation doesn't work very well. And when you teleport the object, they kind of explode after like mm-hmm. 10 seconds. So knowing that they would teleport this being that they created with this clone sensitive brain uh, to the point where once it teleports into Manhattan, its brain would just go totally crazy and now send out this feeling of madness and psychosis, you know, hundreds of miles wide. And so people that weren't even killed in the blast are now just like mentally destroyed for the rest of their life. And now everyone would, would know that this alien invasion might do more of that if it continues. Just so nutty. But it's it's so it's so nutty, like it's nutty. But then it's more nutty because Ozymandias had like the forethought to. It's all a part of his master plan to like merchandise the heck out of everything. Like that's the only reason why he wanted the world to be to come together anyway. Is because he has his fingers in like every facet of. Uh, the economy, like every line, every grocery item, he's got something that competes. And in some of the back matter towards the end of the series, like there's these fake memos that he's writing to all of his uh, um, departments. He's like, you know, from here on out, we're going to take, we're not, we're going to like get rid of the nostalgia line of, uh, of things. And we're going to, we're going to lean towards, start leaning towards these millennials these, we're going to call it the millennium line and we're going to lean towards these people because he, his master plan is to just cash in on what he's creating. And it's just like, I mean, it's good you brought the world together. I, I, it's, I don't know, my, like it's, it's kind of mind-blowing just the fact that what he did and the result of it which was a good thing in the end. Mm. Was it though? But I, I mean, was it, it, <laughs> you brought the world together. I don't know how long that could last, but another, uh, topic that was, you know, you, you kind of see later in Spider-Man rain was the way that they got Dr. Manhattan off planet to leave was to trick him into thinking that, many people close to him had uh, contracted cancer because of the way his body is constructed. Like the, the girl that he was dating early on in the Minutemen crime buster era, one of the main villains that he had contracted cancer and some other folks. And I thought that was a really ingenious way to get into the mind of Dr. Manhattan. And I guess I never, for whatever reason, saw the, the connection between Spider-Man Rain as well. Later on, like this kind of radiation would poison Mary Jane hmm. and kill her, but it was like a real version of that storyline. And I, I was wondering too, like now later in life, having read many Alan Moore stories, like I couldn't escape the the, the nagging treatment of women topic in the back of my head while I was reading this book. And obviously the mm. silk specter character, you know, got sexually assaulted by the comedian early in the book and how bonkers it was, which fit into the era of the Minutemen characters where, you know, 
she gets assaulted by the comedian uh, against her will. And then the hooded justice, who was a team member at that time, interrupts it. And a comedian is kicked off the team at that moment. And she's like beaten and battered on the ground. And hooded justice is like, clean yourself up. (laughs) Like after he saves her, (laughs) he's like, even he's just kind of like almost embarrassed by the state of her after that, which I, 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 I wouldn't immediately chalk up to like some kind of anti Alan Moore comment because I think that fits into that era of like how women are viewed and would have been viewed in the superhero team. Like what would a, would a character in that superhero team in that, in that decade view that scene? Because it's just a scene that you've never had experience before in a comic book in that decade, probably. Mm-hmm. Amazing. When you think about it, the level of ignorance that still exists. And yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah. It was also, I also, I picked up, I got vibes that he, I mean, Hooded Justice was also definitely embarrassed because comedian basically called him out for being gay because he saw, like, he, it, the comedian made a comment towards, like, that's, isn't that how he liked to see his men or something? Oh, really? Like, he knew the that. Hooded Justice secret. Maybe yeah, that's, you know, hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah, it was uh, it was a te- it was tense moments, and then after all that, you know, the original Six Silk Spectre ends up loving and hating the comedian, and the yeah, comedian the- obviously the father's father's Sally Jupiter. But in the end of the story, like she finally has closure because she knows her daughter knows that the comedian is her father, and she ends up like kissing the picture. Of the comedian after all that time. Well, I honestly I couldn't remember on this read. Like I I vaguely remembered that comedian was Jupiter's father, and I couldn't right. remember when she was conceived. Like I couldn't remember if it was during the rape scene, and like that was the dark secret that that was when she was conceived. But then she talks about how it was a random Saturday afternoon, and the comedian or Eddie came over. You know, it was one time. So they connected again later. So I was wondering, like, you know, I guess maybe this speaks to the character, I guess, of Silk Spectre. Um, But, like, what kind of character was she that Eddie would come over to visit her on a Saturday and welcome it, presumably? Like, why would you do that? Like, he's not, you know, the sexiest man alive. Like, even so... He just he just raped you in the HQ of the team headquarters the the team. Why why would you be like, well, you know what, Eddie? You know, come, come maybe on, I HQ. was wrong. You want to you. have some coffee? Let's talk about things and let's have sex and conceive a child. Like right. that that for whatever reason in this read that I mean not for whatever reason I, it just didn't work for me. Like I, I I didn't get it. Like and maybe there's a scenario. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know the scenario where you get raped by a man and then three months later. You know, come on over. Does that has that ever happened? God, I, <laughs> I hope can't not. imagine that has. <laughs> I I feel terrible some sort for of Stockholmy. I yeah, that's some like, sort of Stockholmy kind of scenario. But that's like, I don't think she was definitely she wasn't in some sort of Stockholmy scenario. She was no. had freedom and. But the way she described it, I'd have to find the, my tablet's dead. But her exact like phrasing, you know, it was it was just a Saturday afternoon. And he came over or something like that. 
But yeah, because when she realizes, Jupiter realizes the comedian's her father, she's like laying, or right before she's laying into him. Um, and he's like, you know, something, something, someone force yourself onto a woman. And comedian is like distraught because he knows that she's the daughter, she's his daughter. And he's like, it was just, you know, it was the one time or something like that. And it's just, it was, it was, I was so conflicted reading the scene because at one point you're supposed to feel the anger for, for Jupiter for knowing that what he did to her mother, but at the same time, you have this character like the comedian who's, you know, barely has any redeeming qualities, but now he's a man who has fathered a child that can never know that child's love ever. Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's a really, me upset right now. It's a conflicting story, conflicting story Mm -hmm. because I don't want to feel empathy for you at that point. Like I want you to be gone. But it's just, you know, it's it's an uncomfortable situation to be in, and I'm just reading it, and I don't have to live any through any of that stuff, right? But I don't know, I don't know how to feel about that. But uh, the other thing I remembered that I wanted to talk about, which was the whole reason why the comedian was killed, pretty much, was that he stumbled upon the island that these artists and scientists and creators were creating this alien for the invasion. And he couldn't deal with it. He was he realized that this would put an end to his wars that he loved so much. It's like the Punisher stumbling upon a a plot to for world peace. <laughs> like what would he do there? <laughs> he'd he'd be so yeah. like upset and go psychotic. And like how how weirdly comic book tropey was that? He was he happened to be like on a uh, a scout plane coming from Nicaragua, and he happened to fly over the uncharted island and see the shenanigans that was going on and that's how he was tipped upon like had he not been flying this random plane mm-hmm. over this uncharted island that was that was like super convenient in the world <laughs> in the world that yeah. is this 500 page story but and you would think i mean that it, adrian, got, it got the ball rolling you would think that adrian would have had some kind of cloaking device on that island <laughs> yeah, at that as, point super intelligent as he was <laughs> right. you would think right. it would i mean an, it's at least an underground layer <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. Astrodome, where I was like, oh yeah, we can see everything going on. It's like 1984. There's plane travel. I mean, there's not like one square inch of this planet that isn't f- probably flown over at some point. Mm-hmm. It's uh, if it's just because it's uncharted doesn't mean it's not flown over and, and viewed upon. Yeah. But and 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 the comedian of all people <laughs> sees it. But it's it got the ball rolling on you know. Uh, Rorschach's incredible, like mono, opening monologue, and the ending I, about dirty New York City, and oh yeah, the uh, the ending I I loved as well because Rorschach sends his journal to the only person that he thinks he can trust or would do well with his journal. He's been keeping notes about this whole investigation and his findings, and knowing full well that going to see Adrian, he might not return from. So he sends his journal, and the reveal of where he sends it to is funny. He sends it to the you know the Gazette, I, I think, is the newspaper that he sent it to. Uh, is the New Frontier, the New Frontiersman, and the end of the book. You know, he, they find this journal, but they pass it over because they read like the first. They they read like a random page of it, and it's like nonsensical jabbering about a cut open dog's head. And then he stumbles upon it later again. This kid. 
um, you know, they're, they're talking about what they're going to put on the front page. And I guess they leave it up to this kid and he, and the journal is like, you know, right in front of him because, you know, the country has been united at this point. They have posters that are like propaganda ish, you know, uh, what, what, I can't remember what the poster said. It's like united under one accord or something like that. I can't remember what it said. Uh, but information like this would, you know, would destroy things on an amazing level. Ow. I I know. So I mean, what does that one kid, that eighteen year old kid, do? Does he believe it? Does he open his mouth? I mean, I don't know the weight of whatever he's about to stumble upon. I mean, they is they, like Rorschach levels of. Of course, Rorschach would have to tell somebody, right? I don't know. Would they would they print it? You know, would they print it exactly? I don't know. Which is funny because I don't think any yeah the before watch and stuff we'd never know what would happen after that. But it's funny. I don't has any have any of us read any of the before Watchmen stuff? I think I read issue number one of the comedian, which I loved because it was about the Kennedy assassination and his involvement with that. But I can't remember the details. It's been so long. Hmm. I think I read Ozymandias number one, which I liked also. Yeah, I remember liking Silk Spectre, I believe. I, I liked that. Silk Spider, you mean? Oh, all, yeah, right. all right, come off it, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing the Macho Man there, too, when he said that. <laughs> I was about to blind you with my shoulders. Uh, Watchmen, any other closing comments? We're running late. We're running out of tape, guys. I, I just think, even though it's it comes with a lot of baggage, I think you owe it to yourself to read this book. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is a masterpiece. I mean, there's a lot of just just try not to let the expectations try not try to go in with no expectations, even though you probably can't you know swing a dead cat without hitting some 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 form of medium informing you of what your expectations should be. Right, and don't let Dale's opinion earlier sway you in any way he was afraid to reveal his opinion you know for the for the internet at large in front of their keyboards yeah and also we didn't we ended up not having to go down the paths of like i i was paranoid that you know the symbolism the black freighter was going to be this huge discussing point and i was just like i'm not i'm not equipped to handle what we're going to the paths we're going to go down but we went up but I should have trusted my co-hosts, my friends, because that's above all else. I, I trust you guys, you not so much. Shoulders, but we'll get you there to those heights. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you have it. Watchmen. I might need to buy the uh, Absolute Edition now at some point. Shocker. We'll Come Baltimore. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's gonna read them For some peace to time. you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter, we might read it on the air. Our first message comes us from, in my mind, uh, I'm going to name him Legacy Friend of the Show. Legacy Friend of the Show. Uh, artist extraordinaire. Our friend Catcher. 
And uh, I might tear up reading this letter. I miss this guy so much. Hey, guys. Firstly, I wanted to say that your summer of Alan Moore has been a delight. Dale's history lesson about the Centralia mine fire was breathtaking. And the book clubs might finally get me to read some Alan Moore. Secondly, Slim mentioned on last week's episode that he found the idea of Swamp Thing experiencing the same moment through two perspectives really interesting. It reminded me of a similar idea tackled using multiple man throughout Peter David's run on X-Factor, Volume 3, and his prequel miniseries, M for Madrox. I tried many moons ago to get this amazing series as a book club, so I thought that I could try to leverage Slim's newfound feels to finally get my wish. Lastly, the lightning round was your best segment. I liked it even more than Jonesy as a host. (laughs) <laughs> and I will miss it greatly. Forever yours, Catcher. And a listener shout-out, he writes, I just wanted to shout-out at Under an Anchor. He's so talented and easy on the eyes, if you know what I mean. Love that guy. Miss you, man. Oh, Catch, um, thank you for the email, my friend. You are the best. And so is at Under an Anchor. Sean Gregory Miller, if you're out there, you know, if you, you if you have, do a podcast or do, do need anything that needs some kind of design work, you know, a logo, <clears throat> that guy's your man. Mm-hmm. 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 Next letter. Matt HH, big friend of the show, gents, please enlighten me with an overview of the flap. What is it about? Where did it come from? From previous references, it sounds like it's related to parenthood. Given that, I am now looking at getting back in the father game with my new fiance. Congratulations. Congrats. Some commiseration would be great. Unrelated. When are you guys finishing Scalped and doing Queen and Country? Wishing you all the best. Matt H.H. I feel like that was a a softball lob. Letter. It's total lob for us to pitch the flap and then talk about how we haven't recorded an episode in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he's got, uh, he's working for Slim. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> he's his no, own ask about intern. Book Jug if that was the case. Oh, yeah. The Flap is a podcast about fatherhood. Unrivaled podcast. Starring Dale underscore and myself. And it's famous for its discussions about Dale crapping his pants, uh, getting a vasectomy. Those are probably the two biggest episodes we've ever done of anything. And it's just really difficult to find time to record that. You know, it's very difficult to find time to record Paper Keg. Yeah? Let alone with the flap. I think it's harder with the flap because it doesn't really... I mean, it has generalized subjects about life, but... How do we nail that down into something we talk about that's like specific? So when we don't have something specific that we're going to discuss, I don't think it really enters our mind because it's like, uh, well, when we have something in parentheses specific to talk about, we'll talk about it. Otherwise, we're just going to end up babbling on about our lives, which could be interesting, but we just we don't prioritize that as something that we should record 
because it, it may just end up being the most boring stuff ever. Who knows? And unless I poop my pants, I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> so when, Dale, are we going to finish Scalped and do Queen of Country? Your feelings uh, I would on love Scalped? To read, I would love to read uh, Queen of Country at any point that, I the, bought. Those were his feelings on Scalped. I'd love to read Queen of Country at any time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would read Scalped again whenever you guys wanted to, you know. Maybe behind Devil Dinosaur at a certain point. But that's just me, you know. Devil Dinosaur is your criminal, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it is at this point. I think it is at this point. All right. Next letter. Uh, entitled Letters at Papercake.com. Uh, and from another legacy friend of the show, uh, Jim Lind for Pope. He writes, Dearest hosts, I'm working hard to catch up on comics and podcasts. I wanted to write in to applaud Jonesy for his attempt to surreptitiously revive the new segment with SDC, SDCC gossip, but I was afraid it'd be a reverse troll. Uh, I wanted to write in to talk about how I first started reading more Swampy when DC published Essential Vertigo in the 90s, uh, black and white, but I was afraid it'd be a humble brag. <laughs> then I stumbled across a surefire conversation starter, Matt Murdock's haircut in Daredevil 14, I know I'll never be on that level of all things are hip and happening, but this new do seems more appropriate on somebody with a little more military background like Mark Spector or Frank Castle. Has the whole Secret Wars, ba- Secret Wars Battle World scenario just been a ruse to retcon his hair don't? Have you even caught up to DD14 yet? Are you all in denial that this legendary Wade Samney run is coming to a close? Listener Lightning Round, Cyborg number one, did DC just create a perfect first issue of a series by introducing you to a character, his desire to be long, his dysfunctional family, and an ongoing alien war? I think they did. Uh, until Amanda and Mark start their own Gears of War podcast, make mine paper keg. <laughs> At Jiplin for Pope. Rest in peace, Mark. All right, P. Mark, we miss you. I think I might have seen his ghost a couple days ago. Oh, yeah. During our SummerSlam bash. Mm. Mm-hmm. He was floating around uh, the, the the frame of the TV. His head, his disembodied ghost head, obviously, because he's a ghost. What a show! I think we might no, have one more letter. Oh, one more letter. Whoops, coming in hot. Uh, yeah, the the Daredevil stuff. Uh, I don't know if I'm a fourteen yet. I'm close. Fourteen. I mean, it's probably six months ago that I've read a Daredevil comic. So yeah, I don't know how but, I got caught up. On Daredevil, before I know. both of you finished. I was just going to say, you, you've like read them all in one day, and we've been touting this comic since day one, yeah, and then all of a sudden ever. we just stopped reading. You need to be yeah. reading Daredevil. We haven't read it in a year, but it's the best. <laughs> uh, true. Know, maybe if we, true that. Maybe if we, you know, maybe if we every so often had a, a roundtable discussion, you know. Maybe reintegrate that into uh, once a month. You can't we'll even get the finish Watchmen in time, barely. You're going to have time to do a roundtable? Get out of here. You stink. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I actually like Daredevil's hair uh, from the beginning of that run. Shorter, you know, a little, out of hand, little messy. Mm-hmm. I don't like the longer version that he was rocking before the buzz cut. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. <laughs> Um, and the, the next letter came in hot because our man at Dragonfro 
is allowed to do that. So here it goes. A little behind on the show. How far? Cue the Jonesy grunt noise, Dale's wow, and Slim's eye roll. I just listened to episode 201. Oh, my God. Another one in the win column, by the way. Sorry, sorry, fellas. No real reason, excuse. Just sort of happened. I promise I get caught up soon. One comment about 201 really surprised <laughs> okay. Slim. Didn't <laughs> Hold on a second. Josie just said that was a year ago. Yeah, it feels like it. Is that 16 weeks? <laughs> yeah, it was earlier this year. <laughs> Not even 15 weeks. It could be like a century as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Sorry, continue. One comment about 201 really surprised Slim didn't drop a couple no offense mark during the episode good times good times now, Slim what was that in reference to why would you want to drop that can know. you remember all the way back to earlier <laughs> six, two weeks ago <laughs> I can't even remember last week's book that we did Let alone I gotta look it up I'm looking it up live ask Siri what paper cake uh, did for I'll episode t- 201 <laughs> I'll take over for you while you look that up uh, he writes oh, um, go ahead black sad <laughs> Oh, <laughs> listen, the the translation wasn't there. Okay, we all love the book. We love the art, but the translation wasn't there. <laughs> That's what I can remember, pinpoint accuracy as to what my opinion was. Another shout out to Mr. Young, really loving giant size Little Marvel Adventures versus X-Men. Absolutely fantastic. And a big thank you to Dale for letting Scotty out of the writer's retreat. So he could do the book. <laughs> and now a little off topic. Slim, do you think the Reigns will ever get the fans back? Even with Ambrose, the end of the SummerSlam match was brutal. At, signed, at, I've got nothing to put here, this letter fro. Boy, that's a great question. Roman Reigns, will he win the fans over? I think, the, I think they blew it with him, Dragon Fro. Yeah, like they should have pulled the trigger when the shield was hot two, three years ago. And now it's over. Even Ambrose is kind of over. The, the WWE stinks. Just everyone stay in NXT. We can just have the time of our lives. Is that? Now, this is the guy that you spoke of that, that the fans never really embraced. That's right. I told right? you that story Roman about how Reigns. Royal Rumble, they all booed him when right. he won. Yeah, that guy. And he used to be in a three-way tag, but the one left... Mm-hmm. Now he's the right? champ. Yep. You have, you have a great memory. Tell you what. Man. You're like a sponge. Wow, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting on board now. Do you want me to send you my NXT playlist that I sent to Dave that got him hooked? Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Help. Now the Watchmen's over. The world. <laughs> the world is my oyster. Did Dragonfro have any other comments besides me jumping on the wrestling portion? Uh, no, thank you for your letter, Dragonfro. We love you. It's okay. You can be as far behind as you need to be, my friend. Whether it be You'll a never year be or behind 15 in our weeks. Right. Feels the same amount to me. Sorry. <laughs> I don't, I'm, not, I'm not apologetic for it. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, let's see here. Next week. Great show. You thought we were done with Alan Moore properties. Get you ready for the stinger. Wrong. The stinger. The stinker. We're going to be doing uh, one final time for Alan, the Watchmen movie director's cut. We want to see how it was all laid out. I think it's five hours long. We're going to do it. And then hashtag beach keg. We're going to be getting massages, eating pizza. 
getting Mahoney. Manny, Manny Petties. Manny Petties. You name it. We're going to be in the hot tub. All of us. Showing your receipts. Oh my God. Do it from the hot tub. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Might I say one more time, we got one that came in super hot. Mm. How hot was it? Super hot. Legacy friend of the show. Another legacy friend. Don Garvey. (laughs) Returned from the grave. (laughs) I was about to say that. (laughs) Don't end it yet, he says. I tuned in for a live show for the first time in for what seems like years, episode 201 in parentheses. (laughs) Super topical as always. Sitting here with my son. It's all, uh, he's, it's all rapey rape penis rape. Tail, how could you? Why would you say this? Love you, mean it. Darn it, I missed out. He didn't miss out because we're doing it live during the, the famous fireside segment. The, the only segment left standing. You might be talking about Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's talking about the comedian scene, Gen Z, with uh, uh, Silk Spider. Yeah. You know, Which maybe not the best time for you to tune in with your son. You know? Maybe not. Watchmen, the controversial uh, Watchmen. You know, maybe The Watchmen isn't a good book for your son to read, you know, Don? Yeah? I don't care. Come on, Don. That's for his, that's for his interpretation, Slim. Come on. Uh, you're absolutely right. I apologize to Dale. You know? uh, yeah, to me. Yeah. Does, does he still do his Kids on Comics podcast? Don Garvey went dark. He went off the grid. He, I think he threw away electricity, toiletries, <laughs> and he went off the grid. Living in a pop-up camper. Don used to do Radio Free Echo Rift. Man, that was a great show. Fantastic show. And then it just disappeared. Nobody left. We're the last ones here. We're the last ones standing. By ourselves. Mm. Speaking of uh, Don Garvey. I thought he was about to quit the show. I spoke to him just recently. He convinced me to... Stop what I was doing. I just started uh, listening to the audiobook, uh, The Road. And it, I, I started to compare it to is very Alan Moore in Cormac McCarthy's descriptions of nature and like subtle things in the environment. But, um, he, but Don Garvey, while not reading it, had a good authority that any father of a young son should never go near that book because it would just bring you down to places that you don't want to be, so I'm going to stop reading it. 
before it gets bad. Mm. Is that the so. one that Hugh Jackman made into a movie? No, that was... Uh, that was Vigo. Vigo Mortensen oh, Vigo. of Carlito's Way fame. Yeah, not Lord of the Rings <laughs> fame. <laughs> sure, sure. I have to sure. wear Carlito's a diaper, way. Carlito. A diaper. <laughs> Remember he was in the wheelchair? He had the wire. He was wearing that gunky-looking suit with like the mustard <laughs> stains on it. Carlito. <laughs> oh, Vigo's finest <laughs> role. Jeez. What a strange place we've landed in. <laughs> Diaper. His voice is so weird. His accent. What if that's on YouTube? I can fire it up here. <laughs> I think that's the moment we've all been waiting for. You know, Jonesy, you're not the only person that can plug your phone into YouTube on a podcast. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, let's act. Let's get the intern on it and see how many people have done it. Slash Watchmen is the first episode. What I was feel the like subject line of Don's email? I just got a WTH. What the hell is that? What he's saying over there? Vigo Carlito's Way scene. Come on, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's 251. It's a long one. Oh, God. He just found the wire on Vigo. He's pulling it off. Vigo is very upset right now. Come on. Look what I got to go around with. It's Vigo. Diapers, man. <laughs> I got diapers. I my pants every day. I can't walk. I can't hump. You know? Figo Morton's in there. You have it. I can't hump. I mean, he's had to come a long way. Okay. He's done it all. He's done the hard work to get where he has gotten. Absolutely. You know, there's another book maybe we should add to our list. To set aside the ranger. Uh, History of Violence. Wasn't he in that? Isn't that based on a graphic oh, yeah. novel? Mm-hmm. Mm. It was. Who was the female lead in that movie? That was one... <sighs> Maria Bello. Oh, boy. Remember her? I do. No. From Carlito's Way? (laughs) (laughs) No. From Payback. Oh, that was a great movie. Mm -hmm. Listen, Carlito's Way is a great movie, too. I didn't say it wasn't. Okay. Relax. What are those, Jan, what's the name of those boots that you wear that have the zippers on the side? Do you know what those are called? Flanders warm once in the Simpsons. Oh God! Talk about Uggs. No, like <laughs> they're like leather leather man boots. They go up to your ankle, but you zipper them up on the side. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know what they're called. Yeah. Carlito desert boots. Carlito wears them in that movie. <laughs> Carlito <laughs> boots. <laughs> Scene's still going on. Next week, Watchmen movie. What are some other comic movies that we have to add to our list before we sign off here? Mm, Ninja Turtles? <clears throat> we did the first one. Uh, Carlita's Way, based on the, mm-hmm. the graphic novel, the same name. <laughs> we should do one of those. We should do some of those uh, DC animated jobbers. Really? Oh, uh, yeah, why not? I think the Red Hood one is probably my favorite. Under the Red Hood. Hmm. We, should, we, we can do that one. Could do, um, hmm. Hellboy. Mm. Uh, <laughs> mm. You know what just came out on Comicsology today was that uh, Hellboy BPRD 1954 oh, or something yeah. like that, like their first story. Yeah. That's good. Disclaimer That's good hour one. for Comicsology. Yeah. The old one or is it the new series that it's out? Um, I don't know. Whatever was just collected today. Oh, yeah, trade. yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's mm. good. Alex. That's with um, what's his name? Alex. Alex Maleev, Jonesy's boy. Metza, metza, debatable. Alleged BCC encounter. His art, Off the record, is incredible. His art is a treasure. <laughs> you want me to? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredibly offensive. <laughs> Maybe just don't put that on the uh, 